Welcome to the Hilltop United Methodist Church podcast. Hilltop is located in Sandy, Utah, 985 East, 10,600 South. Locals would say 106th. Our two worship services are at 9 o'clock and 10.30. Hope to see you this Sunday. God bless. Bye-bye. I'm wearing a tie today that has the American flag on it. I didn't choose this tie as an accident. I chose it on purpose. I chose it because I have been in service, I was in service to the country for right at 30 years. Uh, Since I was about 45 days short of being 23 years old, I have been in service to the country or in the service to God. That's I think in the range of 47 something years, I think. The events that are going on in our world is not who we are. Can we have an amen there? Amen. That's not who we are. And it goes back to the beginning of our country. It goes back to the very beginning of our country. George Washington was invited to a synagogue in 1790 and asked to be there. And he, as he, when he left the synagogue, he wrote a letter to the rabbi that was there. And I I think he made a statement about the nature of who we are as Americans. He would write, a government which to bigotry gives no sanction, to persecution no assistance, but generously affording to all, didn't say to some, to all, liberty of conscience and immunities of citizenship, deeming everyone of whatever nation tongue or language, equal parts of the great governmental machine. This is so ample and extensive federal union whose basis is, this is, this is 1790, George Washington. He's saying the basis of this union is about philanthropy, mutual confidence, and public virtue. We cannot but acknowledge to be the work of the great God who ruleth the armies of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, doing whatsoever seemeth to him good. Then he would move from that general observation back to the children of Israel. And he would say, may the children of the stock of Abraham who dwell in this land continue to merit and enjoy the goodwill of the other inhabitants, while everyone shall sit under his own vine and fig tree, and there shall be none to make them afraid. May the Father of all mercies scatter light and not darkness in our paths, and make us all in our several vocations useful there, and in his due time and way everlastingly happy. That's the father of our country. That's the father of our country writing those kinds of words. I'd like to believe that those words from 1790 apply in 2018. I'd like to believe that we could live them in some kind of way. What a gift of God to be with you all today, especially on this consecration and dedication Sunday of all of our gifts. It is a joy to be with you, and I invite us into a second lesson from Luke chapter 12, coming from the message. 
another teaching of Jesus about our stuff. He continued this subject with his disciples and said, Don't fuss about what's on the table at mealtimes or if the clothes in your closet are in fashion. There is far more to your inner life than the food you put in your stomach, more to your outer appearance than the clothes you hang on your body. Look at the ravens, free and unfettered, not tied down to a job description, carefree in the care of God, and you count far more. Has anyone by fussing before the mirror ever gotten taller by so much as an inch? If fussing can't do that, why fuss at all? Walk into the fields and look at the wildflowers. They don't fuss with their appearance, but have you ever seen color and design quite like it? The 10 best dressed men and women in the country look shabby alongside of them. If God gives such attention to the wildflowers, most of them never even seen, don't you think God will attend to you, take pride in you, do God's best for you? What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax. Can we do that for a minute? <laughs> Just take a breath, let those shoulders fall a little bit. What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax, not be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. Would you read that sentence with me? What I'm trying to do here is get you to relax, not be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way God works fuss over these things, but you know both God and how God works. Steep yourself in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Don't be afraid of missing out. You're my dearest friends. The Father wants to give you the very kingdom itself. So be generous. Give to the poor. Give yourselves a bank that can't go bankrupt. A bank in heaven far from bank robbers, safe from embezzlers. A bank you can bank on. It's obvious, isn't it? The place where your treasure is, is the place you will most want to be and end up being. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. Amen. It is a joy to be with you today, and I want to extend deep gratitude to Reverend Dennis for inviting me to be with you for worship this morning. Can you hear me okay? Okay. It is a joy to be with you, and I bring a special greetings from our bishop, Karen Olivito, who resides in the Denver area. I work alongside of her, as Dennis said, in the work of transitioning um, two former annual conferences into a new creation called the Mountain Sky Conference. The Mountain Sky Conference includes 70,000 United Methodists, 
from four plus one state. What I mean by that is that we, are wor we work with and work together with United Methodists from Colorado, Montana, Utah, and Wyoming, and one church in Idaho. <laughs> it's on the east side of the mountains in Idaho, Salmon United Methodist Church, and we love on them. They're an important part of who we are. I come to you all from the Missouri Conference, but now I've relocated and I'm living in Denver doing this work. And it is a joy to be with the United Methodists in the Mountain Sky Conference that span over 360,000 square miles. Just kind of take that in. And so a big part of my job is the privilege of coming around to the different parts of our conference to get to know folks, to get to know not only the unique culture of Utah, but as all of you could tell me, the unique cultures of Utah, right? In my week here, I have had the opportunity to either visit every church or every clergy person with the exception of St. George in Utah. And it's been a privilege to get to know folks and understand the context. In my week here, I've discovered this incredible restaurant called Waffle Love. Can I get an amen? amen? I mean, I took pictures of it, of my food and everything. I was so excited to find Waffle Love. I will come out to Utah just for one of those waffles. I've had an opportunity to see color. Um, if you're from the front range of Colorado, you see two colors in the fall, gold and green. And those are beautiful colors, but I have loved the reds and the oranges of Utah. It makes me feel a little bit warm and fuzzy like I'm back at home in the Midwest. And then I've gotten to know a whole lot about the culture that is represented in your neighbors, in your family, in your friends who have the initials LDS. I have learned a whole lot about the very unique culture that is here, especially for United Methodists and other mainline Christians, as they're in relationship with their neighbors called LDS. And so it's an important understanding for me as I go back to Denver and as we think through how do we get melded and molded into a rich tapestry called a new conference of the Mountain Sky Conference. So this morning I bring greetings from our bishop, I bring greetings from our Denver office, and I especially extend gratitude to each of you for your ministry and your witness and for the invitation to be with you on this important day in the life of Hilltop United Methodist Church. Will you pray with me? God, we give you thanks for the gift of this day and for the ways you have gathered this community of faith for generations to be faithful in its witness and be rich in its giftedness, a giftedness that they share with one another and with the community around them. And we pray an anointing of your spirit upon not only the hearing of your word this morning, but especially the living out of that word. As we live in community with one another, as we hold one another up, as we comfort each other in this heavy week of sorrow. And as we live into that great hope that you give us each and every day, which is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. We pray all this in his name. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to ask you to do something in your imagination this morning. I'm going to ask you in your imagination to go back home. To go home 
to the place that you left this morning and go into the doorway that would lead from wherever you park your car into your home. And maybe you need to walk by some of the dishes that didn't get quite put away as you were rushing off to church this morning. Maybe you're going to need to pass by some of the laundry that might be still on the floor or somewhere in the house. And take yourself into your home to the place where you keep your medications. Okay, for some of us, that's going to be that cabinet over the bathroom vanity. For others of us that might need more prescriptions in the morning just to kind of keep going, that might be a place on your counter or over your windowsill in your kitchen. Find yourself in that place and open up that cabinet, or in my house, it's kind of a big plastic tub. When you have kids, those kinds of pill bottles and prescriptions just end up in a tub. And kind of sort through whether it's in a, in a cabinet, nicely organized, or whether it's in this messy tub. Find a prescription bottle at the bottom of that tub or the back of that cabinet. Now for me, what I have to do is, as I go into that project, I realize I've still got some prescriptions from flu 10 years ago. Get rid of that. Get rid of some of the other stuff that, it's, that has expired. And then reach to the back of that cabinet or to the bottom of that tub and pull out one of those bottles. And imagine as you pull out one of those prescription bottles, you squint a little bit, or like me, have to put on your readers, and you see this fine print on the bottle. Don't fuss about what's on the table at mealtimes or if the clothes in your closet are in fashion. There is far more to your inner life than the food you put on your stomach and more to your outer appearance than the clothes you hang on your body. And imagine that that prescription, the name of that medication, is enough. Imagine a bottle that holds something that helps you remember that there is enough. I don't know about you, but I need that medication every day. Because I know that I, just like you, are saturated in a culture saturated with messages, saturated with advertisements that tell us there is never enough. There's never enough time. There's never enough money. There's never enough things to play with. If you start looking at the advertisements that we're barraged with every day, there's never enough attractiveness. There's never enough sexiness. Constantly, every day of our lives, we are barraged with messages of not enough. Imagine a gift. Imagine a resource. Imagine something that could remind us every day that there is enough. Luke's Gospel lesson, in chapter 12 in particular, helps us encounter Jesus teaching his disciples about what this really means, what's in the fine print about following him. 
You know, we typically read the early parts of the Gospels of Jesus, and we hear the disciples being called by Jesus, come, follow me, and they drop their nets, and they walk away, and off they go, happily ever after, right? But if we're willing to read a little further into any one of the Gospels, we start to understand that it gets a little rocky. And by this time in Luke's Gospel, the disciples are being hunted by the Pharisees, Luke tells us there are thousands of crowds pressing in on Jesus and the disciples because they're so hungry for and longing for hope. And the disciples themselves, as they're trying to figure out what this is really about, this dropping their nets and following Jesus, Luke tells us they are afraid, they are anxious, and they're feeling like their lives are scarce and there's not enough to go around. It's in the face of that moment that Jesus teaches these parables that Doug read and I read for you this morning. And at the end of each of these parables of storing up our stuff in barns that don't go with us into an eternal life with God, parables about trying to hold all that we have out of anxiousness and scarcity. At the end of each of these parables, Jesus concludes by saying, don't be afraid, don't worry, there's enough. I don't know about you, but... These are the kinds of moments when I read the Gospels and read the Scriptures where it's almost like God knows what's going on in our lives. It's almost as if Jesus is right here teaching us this parable that's as relevant today as it was with those first disciples. I don't know about you, but this week, I was scared. I was anxious. I was feeling like there isn't enough hope and love and generosity and grace to go around. And it's in those places and in those moments, not only in the walk and the life of those first disciples, but in our lives of discipleship today that Jesus says there is enough. There's enough grace. There's enough love. There's enough hope. There's enough resources to go around. It's an audacious message in our world, isn't it? It's a scandalous concept in our culture. But the body of Christ follows one who says over in a third of all of his teachings that more than it's about our things and our stuff, It's about loving and being loved by a God of enough. That's the gift that God gives us this morning. That's the gift that we know every time we gather our resources together, whether it's our resources of time or talents or treasures, God says, as we all live in abundance, as we all live in an attitude of sharing, there is enough to go around. Paul said it this way, 
Every body, every Christian body is like a human body. A human body that needs arms and legs and heads and ears and eyes. And as that body and all of its parts work together, there is enough for ministry to happen, for lives to be changed, for the world around us to be transformed. That's why a consecration Sunday, a dedication Sunday of our gifts isn't just a fundraising ploy. It's an essential part of our life of discipleship. A time when we're reminded that we get to contribute all that we are And each one of us gets to contribute all that we are. And together, those gifts are abundant and enough for the work of the church and the transformation of the world. Back in Missouri, one of the projects that we did with all of our United Methodist congregations is that each United Methodist congregation in Missouri was partnered with a congregation in the East African country of Mozambique. It's similar in many ways to what the Yellowstone Legacy Conference and now the Mountain Sky Conference does with churches in Angola. And one of the teams that we sent from the congregation I was serving came back with this incredible story of enough. It was a story of how this well-educated, well-resourced team from the United States went to Mozambique to meet with their partner church, Mahangalani. And when they were meeting with their partner church, they were stunned as they came into the village where the church was. And there the women of the community, of this community called Mahangalani, built this hut with this elaborate dinner that was laid out for the American guests from our church. They sat down at the table that had been prepared for them. These are people that are making less than $2 a month. And they brought their resources together to build this hut and to have this elaborate dinner. And you can imagine the mission team's faces when they sat down at the table and there was the honored prize of the meal, a goat's head as the centerpiece. And they sat down to this meal and had a lavish dinner that anyone else in that tribe in Mozambique would have never had a chance to indulge. And they kind of took that in. Here's a community that has nothing when it comes to our standards of enough, but they had everything to be able to offer generous and radical hospitality to their American guests. And then they left that table and went into worship. Now, you got to know, before you go to worship in Africa, especially in the communities in Mozambique that we were a part of, that a worship service is many times like a, a Tongan worship service three to five hours. And you kind of just take your time and people kind of flow in and out and it's a wonderful and rich experience of the community coming together. And it came to be offering time and the way offering happens in Mozambique in the United Methodist churches is there's a little table up at the front just to the side of what would be the communion table and there's someone up at the table that sits there and he counts the offering as it's taken. And when the offering is taken the first time, he counts it out, and if there isn't enough, they pass the plates again. (laughs) And if there isn't enough, they pass the plates again. 
And they just keep passing those plates until there's enough because there's an understanding and a theology of the worshiping community in Mozambique that there is enough in this group. God has promised that. And so they give and they give and they give. Well, the mission team told me, but there was a profound moment when a little girl came down the aisle. And it was obvious in this huge cluster of adults and people giving their resources and abundance from their fields and their flocks that she wouldn't have that kind of a gift to give. But she knew enough about the God of enough that what she did next was profoundly shape the moment for that whole gathered community. She came up to the front and stepped in front of the table where the man was counting the offering. And she took a basket off that table and the crowd kind of stopped in their singing to watch what would happen. And she put that basket down on the ground and she put herself in it. <laughs> saying, I'm all in. Whatever I have to give, whoever I am, my time and my talents and my treasures. That's my offering to God. She knew that ours is a God of enough. Fred Craddock, who's a gifted teacher and preacher, tells a story of a missionary who went to China with his family, his wife and his two children. And they were there for many years, and in some part of their ministry time, they were placed under house arrest for their missionary work. And at the end of what should have been that time of house arrest, some of the soldiers came to the missionary's house and said to him, it's time to go. Your family and you can return to the States. And oh, by the way, you can take 200 pounds home with you. Well, you can imagine the fervor that ensued in the family. What are we going to take? What's going to make up 200 pounds? Heck, I got 200 pounds out of my trunk that I'm going to drive back to Denver this afternoon. <laughs> imagine if you were given that charge. What would you put in that suitcase, in that bag, in that crate of 200 pounds? Well, the wife said, there's this great, beautiful Chinese vase that I want to take home. And the missionary, Glenn Adsit, said, I want to take my typewriter. It's been such an important part of preparing my sermons. And of course, the kids said, what about our books and our toys? Finally, after putting everything on a little bathroom scale and measuring everything out, the family felt like it was prepared to go with 200 pounds that it had carefully crafted and put together to make sure that they had just the right amount. And the soldiers came back to the door and said, are you ready to go? And Glenn Adsit said, yes. And have you packed up everything, 200 pounds? Did you count it all? And Glenn Adsit, the missionary, said, yes. Did you pack and remember the weight of the children? Yeah. Glenn Adsit said, no. And all of a sudden, that vase and that typewriter, and those toys, and those books, they meant nothing. They remembered that theirs 
was a God of enough. In Luke's gospel, from the message, we're reminded, what I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax. Not be so preoccupied with getting so that you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way God works fuss over these things, the 200 pounds of stuff. But you know God, and you know how God works. So steep yourself in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. For the place where your treasure is is the place where you will most want to be and end up being. May we give today and commit those gifts with generous hearts to the God of enough. Enough love, enough forgiveness, enough hope, enough grace. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. Hilltop is located in Sandy, Utah, 985 East, 10,600 South. Locals would say 106th. Our two worship services are at 9 o'clock and 1030. Hope to see you this Sunday. God bless. Bye-bye.